Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 6, verse 16 through 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. This is the word of God. Good morning, everyone. If you are uh, new here, if you are visiting, we are so glad that you are here with us. Immediately after service, there's always a time of uh, fellowship where we can just kind of enjoy one another and uh, get to know you guys, and we would love to get to know you guys a little bit more, so uh, feel free to stay immediately after service for that time. I mean, if you are new here with us, we are currently going through our sermon series on the Bible that we thought we knew, um, essentially going over through some of the more popular narratives throughout Scripture some of the things that we might have been raised with growing up, and essentially kind of putting a gospel lens, a, a new reality into these narratives, and how it not only speaks to our lives and our, on our suffering, onto glory, but also within the context of community and the city. Um, so as we dive into the Word this morning, I'm going to ask that you would join me in prayer. Lord God, we want to come before you, almighty, sovereign king. You are the king of all glory. You are the king of our hearts. You are oh so good. So Lord God, may that be the declaration this morning, that in the midst of a storm, the midst of rain, in the midst of heaviness of season, we ask, Lord God, that you will speak and that you will reveal and that you will be more magnified and glorified in all of this. Lord God, may we be broken and convicted, Lord God, through the word of our sin, our suffering. But Lord God, how you are glorious in mercy and how you shape us even through this storm. So Lord God, as we hear your word this morning, Lord God, uh, may our hearts be woken uh, may we hear, Lord, I am broken. I am in need of you. I desire to be an instrument within the Redeemer's hands. So, Lord, may you use me accordingly to your strength. We thank you. We praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Growing up as a child, uh, something I always hated, uh, something that I always feared was the rain, you know, specifically thunderstorms. You know, something about the darkness would always uh, creep me out, knowing that after a day of fun and just hanging out with friends, all of a sudden the rain would start pouring down and now we're stuck into this house. I'd always hate uh, the pouring of this rain on the cement as you just heard it so loudly and clearly. And of course, as a child, the lightning, the thunder that could take away the house electricity in a snap second was very frightening for me. I remember those days, and I'll never forget how I'd run to my mom as a safety net because of these storms. And I want to 
assume, at least for some of us in this room, probably felt the same way as a child. Or maybe some of you guys see that unfold with your own children or some of your nephews. See, if I can just fast forward a little bit, not much has actually changed. We still experience storms, specifically the circumstances that often feel like the heaviest of storms. Some may be as simple as light rain through a rough day of work or an argument with a spouse. Some may be heavy as a thunderstorm like the loss of a job or loss of a relationship. Some may be traumatic as a hurricane, as we all have been seeing in the past few weeks, that destroy your entire foundation. And then... The question becomes that in light of storm, how do you navigate during these times? Who will you trust in light of broken circumstances? Where does your hope come from? Fear here in the gospel according to John, we see that Jesus Christ is in the midst of storms for these disciples. And how Jesus Christ is going to navigate is what we're going to see today. So I have three points regarding this uh, passage and how storms shape us. The three points are the chaos in our storms, the peace in our storms, and finally, the trust. The chaos, the peace and the trust. First point is the chaos. Now, John chapter 6, verse 16 through 21, it takes place immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, which is what we went through last week. Now, as we talk about John chapter 6 and the feeding of the 5,000, I want us to really consider this. Consider this period of awe, wonder, jubilation, as they are dining with King Jesus, they're dining amongst a community, they're dining within the context of this great meal. But now, and all of a sudden, starting at verse 16, in an almost out of nowhere picture, just like any storm, we come to verse 16 and 17. Read with me. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set across the lake of Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. So what's happening here? Here we see that the disciples are on their way to do good work. But John is actually giving us a very important detail about the beginning of their journey. That there is darkness and Jesus was not present. Once with the bread of life, now find themselves surrounded in the depths of the sea. Once in light, now in darkness. And I do believe that John is actually being very intentional with his wording. One of the main themes in the gospel according to John is that Jesus is light unto the world. 
John chapter 3, verse 20 declares, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come into the light, the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So John is making it very clear. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and a life without Jesus amounts to a life of darkness. This is the crux of the Christian faith. The absence of Christ is an invitation to the presence of darkness. And it is in darkness that the winds feel a little bit stronger. It is in darkness when the waters are just a little bit tougher. It becomes our chaos. It becomes our ruin. That's why in verse 18 it continues that it would be the same for them as they got into the boat. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. See, family, you must understand me. In life, there will always be strong winds as you and I are on this journey. These strong winds are uncontrollable waters and they are inevitable. If I can say it this way, circumstances, challenges, trials, and suffering, they will always be real. They will always be present. It can be the loss of your job. It can be the loss of a relationship. It could be the loss of health. It could be the loss of identity. There are, there will be wins, and it does get difficult. The question I have for us today is this. When these storms are coming, how do you navigate in them? Are you navigating according to the faith that you proclaim in prayer? Or are you navigating through the work you produce through your hands? And I don't know if I'm the only one within this room. But why do I feel like I'm always navigating by my own hands? I don't know if I'm the only one, but why do I always try to control the situation rather than allowing Christ to be my source of navigation? Am I just preaching to myself this morning? I'm glad I'm not the only one because the Bible does tell me that the disciples also wrestled with this struggle. Verse 19, when they had rowed about three or four miles, I'm going to stop right there. What's happening? Here, the disciples, they rowed about three or four miles, but it was in darkness. In other words, these disciples, they tried to be in control within an uncontrollable circumstance. They want to be the captain of their own ship. They wanted to navigate on their own. And so it is with every man, woman, and child. We're always trying to control the things that are uncontrollable. And let me tell you this. Living a life of control against the uncontrollable, it will always be a life filled with anger, anxiety, and manipulation. 
If you try to control everything, your soul will be overworked or you will try to overwork someone. Because nothing in life, as it shows, is controllable. Question for us right now, how do you respond when you feel like you are losing control? Do you overwork your hands to alleviate the situation? Do you overwork your heart to the point of anxiety? See, the waves will come crashing down with pain and suffering. The winds will overcloud you with doubt and fear. And I want us to consider, will you consider to stop living a life of trying to control the storm and rather let the gospel shape you in the storm? That leads us to our second point, the peace within our storms. Read verse 19 with me. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. Now, here we see the disciples, they're rowing about three to four miles in complete darkness. Now, what's interesting about this verse is this, that nowhere in the verse, nowhere in the other two narratives besides this one in John, nothing tells us that they were actually frightened prior to seeing Jesus, right? Meaning this, that they weren't scared. Prior to seeing and witnessing Jesus walking on the water, nothing in Scripture tells us that they were fearful. Now, as they were going through the water, you can maybe assume some things because it was a little bit difficult. It was a little bit dark, right? You might imagine that they might have been frustrated. You might have been a little angry because of the darkness. And Mark actually specifically says that the waves were against them. But nothing tells us that they were frightened. But why? See, something to note is that these disciples, they were often uh, fishermen, meaning they understood the waters. In some shape or form, they probably experienced this before. They're trained professionals, meaning they knew everything about the depths of the sea. So why be frightened when you think you can do it by yourself? So all the more astounding is that what is frightening them is not the presence of a storm, but the presence of Jesus Christ walking over the storm. They weren't afraid of the waters that created chaos, but the one who controls the chaos. Now, why is that the case? Allow me to explain. When you look in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, even from the very beginning of Scripture, Water was a representation of the uncontrollable and the mysterious. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So Jesus walking on the water is a declaration that he is God over the storm and he is God over them. And to encounter this truth, I will be very clear, it is very frightening, for it is going everything, it's going against everything that they thought they knew. When we see that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all, the Lord of all creation, it should be absolutely frightening because it's going against everything that you thought you knew. Let me say it this way, 
If you are a Christian or if you are considering the Christian faith for the first time, you need to know this. Encountering Christ for the first time, encountering Christ for the hundredth time, it is absolutely frightening. But it absolutely leads to a greater peace. Now, uh, I see it in your eyes. You guys are kind of looking at me funny, so let me explain this. I often hear, we often hear this, that we are to fear the unknown. And I'm not denying that. We fear the things that we don't know. You can preach that. I agree with it. But I would argue that what is more frightening, the greatest fear, is being truly known. Why is marriage so difficult? Because in this relationship, you are exposing yourself in every single way. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. In the marriage, every fabric and fiber of your body becomes intertwined with one another. And at first, when you think about it, it's actually a very frightening thing. Because you are now, you decided it in a covenant to completely make yourself vulnerable. But in God's time and in God's grace, what happens? It becomes better. It becomes more peaceful. Once out of a frightening fear, a, 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 a wariness because you're exposing yourself, now becomes a relationship of a greater trust, a greater love, and a greater intimacy that came after the fear of being known. Something once of great fear becomes of great peace. In the same way, to experience Jesus Christ is frightening, for he desires to know all of you. But the peace comes knowing that it is because of you. That's why in verse 20 he continues. Jesus declares to the disciples, he speaks, but he said to them, it is I, be not afraid. True peace in your storm, in your suffering, in your circumstance, is knowing that Jesus Christ tells us that through these very storms, it is I. Do not be afraid. See, when Jesus declares to you in the word, in prayer, in spirit, he says, it is I. Do not be, afri- be afraid. Excuse me. Remember this that there is power in this declaration because he actually experienced it himself. Remember that there is power in this truth because he actually understands it. What do I mean? I don't know if I'm the only one in this room, but something that gets me really annoyed is when I'm trying to seek counsel from someone right? And I'm weeping, and I'm broken, and I'm sharing kind of uh, uh, the, 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 the issues of the heart and my sin and my suffering. The one thing that, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I'm just not a big fan of, is when someone says this, Brian, I know exactly how you feel. See, so something about that just kind of wrestle, I wrestle with, Because in that moment, I'm wondering, do you really 
understand how I feel, if I can get deeper, as many of you guys know, and I often share regarding a testimony, I'm a divorced man. And I remember during my divorce, during this time, and even after the divorce, I would talk to people, I would share my narrative, I would share my story of suffering and brokenness. And I would literally have like college students come up to me and say, Brian, I know exactly how you feel. And I said, but do you? I'm pretty sure you're working on the math problem right now, brother. I love my college folks. Shout out to college ministry. See, when Jesus Christ on the cross says, it is I, do not be afraid. It's not just a statement, it's a declaration. He is saying, I know exactly what you are going through. In fact, I'm the only one that can actually say, mine was far worse than yours. But you know what's so beautiful about the gospel? Jesus is gracious and loving and merciful. He doesn't just do that. But what does he do? What does he say? What does he show? Well, later in John chapter 19, he will show it to us all. In John chapter 19, we see that there would be another storm. On the cross, the one who controlled the storms lost all of his control in an ultimate storm. It would be the greatest amount of chaos. Jesus Christ experienced the most devastating trial that led to the most horrific pain. Jesus experienced the most frightening thing any one of us can imagine, being completely abandoned by God the Father. See, on the cross, there would be the greatest amount of darkness and chaos. So when he declares, it is I, do not be afraid, it's a reminder, it's the declaration that can be proclaimed in your heart and your soul. It is I, be not afraid, I am with you. Listen, the power of the gospel is not based on an absence of storms. It is simply the beauty that someone is present with you in the storms. There will be storms. The only difference for you and I, if you are in Christ, is that there is no more darkness. For there is always a light, the light that John declared. And it is grace for the day. It is hope for tomorrow. What does that look like for us today as we live? It leads us to our third point, the trust in our storms. Now here we begin to see the full transition from chaos to trust. But how does this happen? Look at verse 21. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. How do we come to this disposition of trust? Look at verse 21. They took Jesus in. For us to truly grasp the purpose of our storms and to navigate through chaos, it can only be if you decide to let Jesus in. And I don't mean it 
in a way where you are simply declaring it by tweeting John chapter 3, 16 and Philippians 4, verse 13. I'm not saying it in a way where you're simply showing it by raising your hands in worship with your Sunday's best. When you take Jesus in, it means that you are declaring that he is Lord of all. That Jesus is the master of the flood. Jesus is the captain to navigate your path. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the satisfaction for your soul. And that's why Jesus Christ, as I mentioned earlier, at a first initial glance is so frightening. See, because when he comes, he reveals to you of your inability to control anything. But at the same time, when he comes, he reveals that he demands to take control over everything. See, if I can say it this way, if the gospel sounds beautiful to you right now, If the gospel sounds beautiful to you right now, imagine how much more beautiful it is when the gospel is fully woven into every fabric and fiber of your body. So what does that look like for us? What does this truth, how does this truth play out? How does Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19, that we have in hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure, how does this become true? Uh, Simply is this, that to, to gain trust in light of our storms, it requires a disposition of faith to let go of the things that you control, even though your body wants to hold on to it, if I can explain Now, to be transparent with you guys, right, this is a safe place. You know, the one thing I can honestly say that I'm unable to do, right, is swim, right? I'm not a swimmer. I I never learned. I never trained. um, You know, I never had that benefit and that privilege of of a pool around me. So, you know, I I can't swim. I don't know how to swim. And a few years ago, uh, for the very first time, I was like, you know what? I'm a little too old for this, right? I got to learn how to swim, right? So this was a few years back, and I remember uh, I, would, I went up to one of my closest friends, and I asked him, I was like, brother, you know, can you teach me, right? Can you teach me how to swim? He was like, this is a weird question, but cool. I got you. I love you. So, you know, we decide, he's, he decides to teach me, and we're at this moment. I could honestly say that I will never forget how horrific and how terrified I actually was when I tried to dip my feet in the water for the very first time. Like, I was panicking. I was just so unsure of everything. It was a really scary moment, right? And I remember my friend was kind of looking at me kind of funny, confused, like, man, this guy has a lot of problems. And he wasn't sure about me in general at that point. Uh, But as as I was trying to learn how to swim, he told me simply one thing. He said, Brian, all you have to do is this. Let go and float. That's all you have to do. That's the first thing you got to do. Just learn how to float. Meaning, simply let go. Here's the thing, right? I tried it. I tried letting go. But as soon as I tried letting go, Right? What happened? 
I felt vulnerable. I felt empty. I felt the water. So what happened? I, I panicked. I got scared. So what did I do? I clinged on to the very thing that I saw, which was my friend, unfortunately, and I had to cling on to whatever I could visibly find. And I kid you not, at the end of this, uh, this, this swimming session, I had like three to four colorful swimming noodles on me, right? Like it was bad. Like it was a bad, embarrassing moment. I had like grandmoms like giggling and judging me. Like it was a bad moment in my life. But he told me, which was very clear, the only way I would be able to swim freely is if I was just willing to simply let go of the minimal control I had in water. See, in the chaos, in the storm, in the flood, let this be a period where you are letting go and trusting in the name of the Lord. You know, in Philadelphia, if you guys are from the area, there's a statement that many of us know at this time, right? And it's a sports-related statement. It's to trust the process. Trust the process. Meaning that there will be loss. There will be pain. There will be moments where you just feel like that there is no victory in sight. But trust the process in him. Trust in his name. Rather than manipulating the situation, rather than manipulating others within the situation, allow God to maneuver with power and grace over the situation. That's when he shows up. That's when he is alive. That's when he is real in the process. So the question remains for us, for you and I, what areas of your life must you begin to let go in terms of control and allow Christ to navigate and to take full control for he demands it all? And I will conclude with this, and I'm going to be out your way. The section of this storm is actually very interesting because when you look at John chapter 6, right, as we talked about last week, John chapter 6 actually starts with the feeding of the 5,000. And then all of a sudden in the section we see that Jesus is the storm. And then at the end of John chapter 6, we see John, uh, uh, we see John kind of um, show us that of Jesus' proclamation that he is the bread of life. So it's kind of weird. You talk about the feeding, the storm, and that he is the bread. What's the point? Why does that happen? Why does it unfold in this way? See, not only does Jesus lead you during the storm, he's actually leading to you something much greater, which is himself. John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Friends, storms come, storms go. They come again. Just when you think God is done working in you, he does 
funny things. And he begins to unfold something new. And it happens all over again. But I just want to let y'all know that if that's you right now or you're just constantly going uh, into the flow of life and you're not sure why, I just want to let you know that there is something beautiful that he is doing in you right now. And it is for your good. Even though you may not believe it right now, I want to let y'all know that Scripture declares that it is very good. And best believe, know that it is for his glory. Yes, the storms are coming, but just as the morning starts, it's a reminder that in Christ they will be over. In the chaos, in the confusion, in your storm, may Jesus Christ walking on the water be very frightening, but in the process, no that it will be the peace of your heart and the navigation on how you will live today. Will you guys join me in prayer at this time?